Hey everybody, this is Rafe Telsch, and this is episode 74 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope everyone's having a great week out there. Happy Thursday. We are back with our regular weekly movie discussion. This week, we're talking about The Goonies from 1985, much beloved movie from my childhood, as well as that of my guest this week, Valerie Moss. Um, You've heard me talk a lot on the podcast over the last couple of episodes about getting involved with some audio dramas, and that's how I know Valerie. We uh, met through a podcasting group a couple of years ago when she was looking for some voice actors for a project she was trying to put together. She talks a little bit about this in the episode. That's not actually what I've been referring to when I've been talking about those audio dramas, because this one uh, that I'm working on with her has been such a long-term project. Uh, I've been talking about some more recent stuff. Um, But I will keep you up to date with all of those audio dramas as they start coming to fruition. Uh, But that's how I know Valerie. I do want to add in one other quick note about the audio. You will notice as you listen every once in a while, you'll hear some rolling thunder. Uh, apparently, as we were recording it, there was a, a nice thunderstorm going on on Valerie's side. And I probably could have cleaned it up just a little bit more. But then it would have sounded weird when there were parts of a thunder blast in there. So I just kind of left it because it makes a little bit of nice ambience when we're talking about this movie. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Again, we're talking about 1985's The Goonies. And uh, remember, Goonies never say die. Yeah, that that actually was a a question I was going to bring up um, because I thought you had a, a child. Yeah. Uh, and I was inter- I was interested in how they took to this or if you introduced them to it, because uh, I-, I showed my son this about a year ago. So he was 11 at the time. Um, it had been a while since I watched it and I had forgotten the language that's in it. Oh, yes. So there's mm-hmm. some language. There's some scary moments, but I-, I was OK with him watching it. He He loved it in the end. He was resistant to watch it as he is with any movie, I suggest. And then no, right? uh, and then he loved it. So h- how did your little one take to it? Okay, so she's just slightly younger than your son. We watched it when she was eight. And it was kind of in a lineup of movies like E.T., Labyrinth, Goonies. So we had a few from my childhood that I wanted her to watch. Um, She wasn't sure at first with the whole One-Eyed Willie thing. It was very suspenseful for her. Uh, a little bit pins and needles, but not really scared. Really liked it. The mystery she loved. Cool. cool. Yeah, it was good. It was fun. Has she taken well to some of those other movies from your childhood? Like how many of those have you tried to expose her to? Oh, quite a few. So Labyrinth, we probably watched when she was about five mm-hmm. with David Bowie. Of course. Of course. Um, <laughs> E.T., she was probably maybe six. She's seen that a few times now. So that, you know, the beginning where he's in the shed and the ball and all that. So she was like freaking out, not sure. But then totally fell in love with E.T. We tried Jaws. Oh, really? (laughs) So so we saw the Meg. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, so she was like a bit unsure about the Meg. Then it was okay. So she watched it with a bunch of her friends. Then we watched it as a family and... I'm like, hmm, what's that rating on Jaws? Well, 
the ratings then were a little more loosey-goosey than today. Well, and PG-13 didn't exist back then when Jaws well, came out. They kind of class it as PG-13. Oh, do they? Because it's mm-hmm. pre, it's pre, because PG-13 came out after, uh, I mean, Spielberg was pretty much single-handedly responsible for PG-13 totally. because of uh, uh, Gremlins and uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, both of okay, which he produced. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Those were the movies where the uh, Motion Picture Association said, yeah, we need another rating in there somewhere in between PG and R. <laughs> well, so about the first, like, 30, 30 seconds maybe of Jaws. It was like, okay, we can't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a flailing woman in the ocean, right? Right. So no. Um, what else? Quite a few like um, Annie, like the original Orphan Annie. Oh, I have not shown Carol that Burnett. to my son yet. Yeah, I love... My son has seen uh, the remake, um, I think with his mother, he saw the remake, but he's not seen the original yet. Oh, yeah. So the original, definitely. And yeah. all the remakes, because oh. they have the cleaner version right. a little bit later. But And then they have the African-American or Black version a little later on. So they have like a few renditions of those. Um, Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. So then, and the one today, which was really good. If you haven't seen part two. I haven't yet. And it was funny because I introduced him to the original when the second one was coming out. Okay, like, yeah. So that I could lay the foundation so we right, could go right. see Mary Poppins Returns, and then we've never watched Mary Poppins Returns. He he liked Mary Poppins okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the way I tried to sell him on watching it is he fell in love with Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when I showed that Okay, to him. yeah, same. Like, he same, loved that same. one. So I was like, you like that one, you'll like Mary Poppins. And yeah, it was yeah. done, and he was like, I like Willy Wonka more. <laughs> Willy Wonka's better. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, too, that could be a gender thing as well. Because Mary Poppins is pretty girly. Yeah, that's fair. Um, what else? I forgot about Willy Wonka, definitely. Oh, um, you know what we just watched the other day was What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Ah, okay. That was a good one. Okay. Little, A uh, little bit of reality when it comes to, like, weight. You know, like, reflection of the weight because of his mom. True, and, okay. And, you know, just a reflection of self-image and that kind of stuff. So it was interesting. Cool. It was interesting, and it wasn't violent or anything, so that was all good. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So when kiddo is not around, what is mm-hmm. your uh, go-to type movie? What do you enjoy watching? Um, I haven't watched a ton of movies lately mm-hmm. because you know there's just no good movies coming out. <laughs> but if I was gonna like go back, it would have to be like a good mystery, like okay. a good not quite horror, but a good mystery movie, something thinker. Favorite actors would be like Kevin Costner, Brad Pitt. Um, I don't know, lots of women, I guess. Like, yeah, I'm pretty easy going. Costner, I think, just had a new mystery type movie come out on HBO Max, like within the last couple of weeks. I think it's a mystery. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Um, it's just something I saw while I was flipping through my streaming services. Um, I, I remember seeing his face, but I don't know what what genre the movie is. But it seemed to me like it was a thriller mystery type thing oh interesting yeah i know i really like him um have you seen yellowstone no it's on netflix so he's the he's the anchor of it okay um i haven't watched the whole thing but apparently it's pretty good (laughs) yeah i don't know lots yeah i'm kind of game i'm game for most movies i guess 
Gotcha. I'm more on the Star Trek side, though, versus Star Wars side. <laughs> we were picking sides. So, so switching gears away from movies for just a second, because mm-hmm. uh, you and I met through uh, an audio drama that project mm-hmm. that you were putting together, which right. had to be a heck of an undertaking for one. But I know that's kind of your background as far as audio goes, that you do like mm-hmm. audio books and that kind of stuff. I do, uh, yeah. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Like how you got involved in that or what you enjoy um, about that? Yeah, sure. So with my, so I have a podcast, as you know, and um, I already had a studio set up and all the equipment. And someone said to me that you should give audiobooks a try. So I kind of got in a few years ago. I've done about 20 books wow. now. Um, some are like memoirs. Other ones are manuals. Um, I've done like hypnosis books, self-help books, things like that. Yeah, it's kind of a side gig that I really enjoy. I find it very meditative to just come in and narrate Mm-hmm. and spend time in my studio alone and where it's quiet and I don't know there's something like therapeutic about it so yeah I've done that um that undertaking that you talked about so that's still kind of in the works so a bit of background on that project I was looking for something to do as a project and I found that book in an antique store <laughs> and then I did some research on it, and it's about a woman, who, and it's based on her family. It's a true story out of Indiana, and about this mysterious happenings within their family home. And it's still talked about today. The setting is a real setting. It's in a real place, in a real town. Um, and it's it happened at like this close or the start of the Cold War in about 1940, And so what I did was I put a shout out to podcasters and asked if they wanted to be a voice in my book. I didn't write the book, but this book project. And so you were one of the leads in it, as um, maybe some of your listeners know. And um, there's about 20 cast members. So I do all the narration and then I bring in background music and sound and scene feeling and changes And then I just knit and weave all the voices together. And yeah, so it's still a work in progress. It's gone on for a couple of years and we've had a really, really great time with it. It it was a lot of fun um, recording those, you know, and I've, I've, that's not the only audio drama project that I've undertaken. Um, And Mm. I've I've really enjoyed doing that side of things. I mean, I I enjoyed this like interview type stuff, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. You kind of take on this persona of somebody else and you have a really great voice, Rafe. So oh, for you, you as the one of the main characters in it, it was really cool. Really <laughs> cool. You. Yeah. So once we get it all pieced together, it'll be, it'll be fun to put out there. Yeah, I can't wait to hear the, the end project. <laughs> yeah, it's a mystery, right? <laughs> um, one other thing we should note before we actually get into the movie, we are sure. recording this, unfortunately, uh, just shortly after the passing of Richard Donner, who directed this movie. That's right. Um, and of course, he was well known for, for many of his projects, including the Superman movies and so so many things that he was involved in. But this is probably one of my favorites of his um, as far as like films that he, he put out, he, he just, he, he was a prolific worker and, you know, he, he definitely, his, his touch in Hollywood will definitely be missed, but I just wanted to make sure we, we touched upon his definitely. passing. Definitely. Yeah. 
before we get into the movie, sorry, mm. one more thing. Okay. The uh, so last question. The podcast is called "Have Not Seen This." We talk about movies that we're surprised people have not seen. What are your have not seen this movies? What are movies you have not seen that other people are surprised when they find out? Oh, Star Wars. Wait. So you wait. So you just told me you're on the Star Trek side of things, but you haven't actually seen Star Wars. Only some of them. <laughs> And like, it's so embarrassing too, because my family are Star Wars fans. And so we'll sit down to watch Star Wars and I'm like, who's that guy? What are they called? I know. (laughs) (laughs) That'll probably create some waves in your fans, but... You're not the first one to say that. You're just the first one to have taken a side on Trek versus Star Wars. Yeah, definitely a Trekkie more than Star Wars. I'm like, I've gone and seen some, but I wouldn't, like, I would, it would not be my pick. Right. Like, ever. Would not go see. Okay. Use them. All right. Well, let's get into the movie. You picked uh, 1985's The Goonies, written by Chris Columbus and Steven Spielberg, directed by Richard Donner, as we said, uh, starring, and I'm going to go through a longer cast list this time because they're all just so important, starring Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, Jeff Cohen, Corey Feldman, Martha Plimpton, Carrie Green, Ki Huai Kwan, John Matuzak, Robert Davi, Joe Pantoliano, and Anne Ramsey. That's just a few, hey? Yeah, well, but but it's such the thing I love about this and, and rewatching this for this, um, it's it's just such a strong ensemble cast. Like everybody remembers Sean Astin because he has some wonderful speeches in it. But the truth mm-hmm. is, every one of the cast members, including the bad guys, get moments to shine on screen. It is it really is kind of the epitome of the ensemble project. Agreed. Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Hey, Mike, the map! Whoa, do you guys realize what we could do? I don't want to go on any more of your crazy Goonie adventures. Meet Mikey. I gotta go fast. Brand. Andy. Shame, shame. Come on, Brand. Slip with the tongue. That's disgusting. No, I can't even look. Mouth. Stephanie. Data. Boy Bango! Guys, isn't that neat? And Chunk. Slot. They call themselves the Goonies. They've stumbled onto a legend. But they're not alone. So what I start out with is how do you describe this movie to someone who has not seen it? How do you sell them on wanting to see this movie? Well, it's kind of a coming-of-age movie. Mm -hmm. It's about a group of boys who have a club, and they have a hierarchy in their club. And everybody kind of has a spot. So one guy has, like, gadgets, and the other guy is chubby, but he's willing to do anything. And he's, like, the guy that they could dare to try something. (laughs) And then there's the set of brothers, and the one has asthma... And then, you know, they have a housekeeper who's Spanish or who's Mexican and they kind of razz her a little bit because they're moving and they're kind of like the quintessential kids in the neighborhood who hang out past dark. So it's one of those movies that for my generation, 
I was born at this time. I was the same age as the kids in the movie when I watched the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's super relatable. Like our parents were working, we were home alone. You know, you kind of gathered with the kids in the neighborhood to eat supper and watch movies. And the parents just knew where the kids were because they were at Jimmy's down the street. Like it was just such a relatable movie. So when you say that to people, they're like, oh, yeah, like that was me, especially if they were same age as you. Right. They can relate to the movie. And then it's also about, you know, finding the the gold at the end of the rainbow and <laughs> having a treasure map and, you know, the things that we wanted to figure out as kids as well. So I think it kind of zips it all up together as exactly what you would go through at that age. So relatable. It, it Yeah, it is. Re- I think it's relatable for us. Um, but I also think in some ways it's a product of its time. I don't know as many parents who are as um, freewheeling with their children, like, you know, oh, oh they're us. down at Jimmy's, you know, type thing that, you know, I, I think today. that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I while we can relate to it because we grew mm-hmm. up in that environment, um, I think kids today find it a little less relatable in that that's not their experience. Their parents want to know where they are or they have their cell phones so they always can get in, in touch with them. I, I think it's I think it's interesting that something like Stranger Things comes along and pays wants to pay tribute to this, but also sets itself in that era where that was the norm of kids right. grabbing yeah, their I've bikes and riding around the neighborhood, you know? Yeah. So what is your history with this movie? Did you see it in theaters? Did you, uh, you know, were you a latecomer to it? I was trying to think if I saw it in the theater because it was definitely out when we were going to the movies as kids, but I I can't remember if I saw it in the theater, but I remember watching it with my cousins. So there was a ton of us and we would all sit with a giant bowl, one of those giant Tupperware bowls full of popcorn. (laughs) And we'd all sit, you know, on our tummies and, watch the movie as close as we could get because we had like old TVs and they were small. Yeah. And I remember it just being fun. And we kind of had that hierarchy that was similar to the show, to the movie in our family. So we had like the older cousin who was kind of like rough around the edges and, you know, beat us all up a little. Then we had the younger cousin who was kind of shy and didn't really want to believe that the movie was real so we would kind of trick him and razz him a little but there was like that whole gamut of you know who kind of fit in where and we were those kids we stayed out past dark we were you know in the cul-de-sac we were those kids yeah i i commented on a recent episode that my mother has a hard time watching stand by me uh because when i was that age i looked like will wheaton looks like in that movie like you could look at a picture of me at that age but that also was my experience of getting together with my friends and playing out in the woods and we'd be gone all day. And, yeah. and the same, you know, with this, as far as Goonies, I just, I'd lived in a more rural area, kind of like stand by me than in a more suburban mm. area than this, Got it. but it still was the same thing. My friend and I would disappear for hours into the woods and nobody was ever nervous about where we were or what mm-hmm. might've happened to us. We were just out playing in the woods. It's, and it's, it's such a different time and expectation of kids than we have today. <laughs> so has your son seen stand by me? Not yet. Um, mm. I think my son has, uh, some issues slash phobias of death. And so oh. I think a, a quest to see a dead body mm-hmm. is probably a little much for his sense. Might be a bit too. Point. Yeah. So my daughter watched it with her dad. Oh, yeah. Um, Because that was his kind of coming of age movie. Right. And so they watched it together. And so, you know, one of the scenes in there is they're 
in the creek. And then they come out of the creek and they're yeah. they're covered in leeches, leeches. And London's never seen a leech. And so just like little things like that have resonated with her. Right. No, see, I like, again, like growing up in a more rural area, there was a pond that we would go, you know, like kids today go, go to the pool. We went to this pond. That's where we yeah, swam. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a section of that pond that had leeches. Like you knew you didn't go over in that area because there were leeches. And I found that out the first time the hard way came out and had leeches attached to me, not attached yeah, yeah. to my testicles, thankfully, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not all the body parts. Yeah. When we were kids too, we would go to like a local lake that had a swimming area in it and there was leeches in it too. And then my dad smoked. And so we would come out of the lake and if there was leeches on us, he would take his cigarette and burn the leeches off of our legs. Oh my God. (laughs) I know. And all the, like, that's how you got rid of the leeches. Awful. Right. Right. We survived though, Rafe. Like I'm, I'm fine in spite of all that. We're only slightly traumatized from our childhoods. I think one of the things that really appealed to me about Goonies growing up, because I, I did not see it in theaters, but it probably wasn't long after video release that I that I saw it. Okay. Um, VHS. Yeah, VHS. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that appealed to me about it more so than Stand By Me, although I, I love Stand By Me, mm. is, is the fantastical element of it. Like, going <sighs> down railroad tracks to see a body was... That that was that was real. That was something that could happen. It didn't with me and my friends, but it could have. But Got finding it. a treasure map and going through traps, and I mean that appealed to the part of me that played like Dungeons and Dragons growing up and such. You know that like totally this, or Indiana Jones, right? Right, right. Like, yeah, yeah. But so like this was steeped enough in fantasy and and fiction, but also connected to the real world of it being a group of kids that like I I wanted this to be real. I wanted to be on uh. this adventure. We, yeah, I agree. Like getting, finding that map and smashing the glass and then taking the map and figuring it out and going through the, you know, okay, we got to go north. Okay, we got to cross this. Oh my God, here's those pile of rocks. Like you could follow along with it and just, you're just hanging on. Like you wanted to know, you were rooting for them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, mm-hmm. I, and I think I noticed this time, I mean, I've noticed it on subsequent, but for some reason it really stuck out, stuck out to me this time. I think one of the things that really helps you root for these characters isn't, isn't the characters, it isn't the performances, although those are both spectacular too, but the score to this movie draws me in from the first notes. As soon as that high, that high tempo, you know, dun, 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 starts playing, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, I'm in. I'm totally, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I love every element of this movie. The, the cinematography and the, the, but the soundtrack ha- just really. Yeah, it built all the suspense, yeah. built the storyline. Like, and even some of the weird things where they'd show up at the friend's house and it was already a booby trap. So they had right. to do the thing and then get the thing and he had to shake his belly and, you know, <laughs> to gain access. Like, Everything was really purposeful. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Purposeful the, the, where it could be your friend that did it. Oh, it's yeah. That, that so Rube Goldberg outweigh. type device to, to open the gate. Like, you can't just open the gate. You have to do the whole, you know, the chicken laying an egg and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 totally. But that connected for me this time through in a way that never had before. Hmm. Because when they find the ship and Mikey has that private moment on the ship. Mm-hmm. He tells Willie, you were the first Goonie. Totally. 
And suddenly it was like, oh, wait a minute. Willie has all these elaborate traps that are also Rube Goldberg type devices. And you had that. Like, there's a level of connection between One-Eyed Willie and Mikey that I had never made before. And it's like, yeah, he kind of was. He was doing the exact same thing. Mm. Now, they're more lethal than the the trap you made at your house, but still. (laughs) Yeah. So what does the word Goody mean? Um, It's the name of their club uh, because they live on the Goondocks. Oh, that's the area of town that, that they live on. And they actually, let me see if I can find it real quick. I have, I had it pulled up in some capacity. Um, they're I shouldn't actually, be asking you questions, but I was like, what the heck does that mean? They actually right. had a, uh, like a club credo or, or motto or something. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, that's never said in the movie, but it said, it goes, it's the Goonies oath that goes, I will never betray my goondock friends. We will stick together until the whole world ends. Through heaven and hell and nuclear war, good pals like us will stick like tar. In the city or the country or the forest or the boonies, I am proudly declared a fellow goonie. Oh, fun. And I guess that's in the novelization. It's it's not in the movie. Hmm, okay, cool. But one of the moments I love in this movie is they're on this grand adventure. You know, they've they've started undertaking it. Um, Andy is, he goes nuts uh, way too early in this. Like when they, you you cut from them going into the fireplace to her talking about, we've been walking for a long time. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. have you, or are you just really a a spoiled brat? Because she has kind of that atmosphere to her. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then when they get to kind of the first chamber, the, the, which is underneath the wishing well, and they mistake all the coins Mm -hmm. and they have the chance to, to ride the bucket up. And uh, Mikey has his line there about Goonies never say die. Goonies don't give up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And her response being, I'm not a Goonie. And I was like, oh, yeah. She, she and Steph and kind of Brand start on this adventure with them, but it's more of a they're pulled into it. They're not undertaking it. They're not actually part of the club. That's at, right. Especially at that point. I think, of course, as soon as she sends her jacket up and stays with the group, then she's a Goonie. Then she's in. Yeah. She decides to stick around. But yeah, that I, was a great I love part. that. I love that differentiation between them. Yeah, and her her boyfriend's thinking she's going to come back up, and they're going to oh, yeah. he's going to rescue her, and she's like, "No, I'm staying with the Goonies. I'm yeah. here." Well, he's a jerk. I mean, he's they a jerk, yeah. they they do a good job. I, a friend and I were commenting on a, a recent episode about establishing jerk characters and like Hmm. you can do it even just through the name and troy may not be like the biggest jerk name i've known some troys who are actually nice guys but yeah totally boy they set his character up from the beginning adjusting the mirror to try and look down her shirt and you know like and what he does to brand with holding his hand on the on the car with him on that Mm -hmm. tiny bike to you know i mean he could have killed him with that it's like yeah he's not a nice guy (laughs) no he's definitely not a nice guy not one you'd want your daughter with, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, before we go much further, let's go ahead and pull in the critical reviews side of things. Um, it, it sits lower than I expected at the oh. review aggregators. It sits at 76% at Rotten Tomatoes and only 62% at Metacritic. Uh, as always, I try to pull in a good review and a bad review. But interestingly, the good review doesn't necessarily read like a good review. Uh, it comes, as usual, from Roger Ebert. Uh, and he wrote... During Goonies, I was often exhilarated by what was happening. Afterward, I was less enthusiastic. The movie is totally manipulative, which would be okay, except it doesn't have the lift of a film like E.T. It has the high energy without the sweetness. It uses what it knows about kids to turn them up, 
While E.T. gave them things to think about, the values to enjoy, The Goonies, like Gremlins, shows that Spielberg and his directors are absolute masters of how to excite and involve an audience. E.T. was more like Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It didn't simply want us to feel, but to wonder and to dream. Hmm. Manipulative? See, and I, that's just it. I don't think it's manipulative, and I did dream. Like, as I said, this made the, the fantasy elements of this made me want to have that kind of an adventure. There are soft spots in it. I think so, yeah. Like, they're a little crush, and, and then they ended up kissing, like, the two people that were supposed to be kissing were the wrong people. Yeah. But well, it didn't I, matter in the end. And, and I have to admit, like, I, I've seen this movie easily a dozen times mm-hmm. but mikey's speech there the one that i was talking about before mm-hmm. his whole you know up there it's their time down here it's our time it's our time like watching this last night that speech for some reason made me a little emotional which oh his passion yeah like so, it's just like you can feel like every ounce in his body yeah this is what he believes so i don't know that i necessarily agree with that i think i i do wonder and dream because of the goonies and I don't think you could compare this like paralleling or on the same vein as E.T. Like yeah. these two movies are in their own worlds, like in their own rights, in their own worlds. They're both fantastical in nature. Hmm. I find that interesting. Like definitely E.T. gave you something to maybe moral compass on, you know, treating somebody with kindness or... Like maybe more on that note, this was more about sticking together and staying together as a group and having that bond and that bond is like inside them. It's not the superficial thing. E.T. is a story about a boy and his friend who happens to be an alien. Mm-hmm. Goonies is about a, f- a group of friends. I mean, to use the over cliche, especially because of, of Fast and Furious movies, this is their family. You yeah. know, this is the family they chose. Yeah, this is like the epitome of a clubhouse. Right. When mom sees the screen door broken because of how Data smashed into the house, she doesn't get upset. She just says, next time use the back door. Right. You know, she's used to that kind of nonsense from these kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, All right. The negative review comes from Dave Kerr from the Chicago Reader, and he writes, references to Mark Twain, the Warner Brothers swashbucklers, and the Our Gang comedies hover in the background, but despite these honorable sources, it's a charmless exercise. Director Richard Donner turns the kids into shrieking ferrets, and his jumpy cutting seems to lag behind the action deliberately in a curious attempt to make the film seem more chaotic and cluttered. The usual Spielberg rhetoric about the sanctity of childhood and the beauty of dreams seems wholly facetious in this crass context, which even includes a commercial in the form of a rock video for the tie-in merchandise. What? (laughs) That is so hardcore. Yeah. Screechy? Well, they had to scream because they were, like, going down all of these. The the amount of skeletons that they see in this short period of time. Well, and they're, like, super up close. Like, some of them, like, roll and bounce off of their faces. Like, anything like that. You know, I kind of like movies that make you jump in your seat while you're watching them. And if there's no reaction from the cast. Then it doesn't feel real. That doesn't feel real, and it's not that interesting. Yeah. Oh no, I loved, I loved the jumpy moments in it. I thought it made you more part of the, the storyline and hanging on, keeping you hanging on. 
screechy. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I don't I don't agree with it, but I always I, I, I try to present both sides. I do want to mention um, I, I includes a commercial in the form of a rock video. The rock video is on screen for like five seconds because it's on the TV in their house. Yeah, but it's like much music or something, which was super new at the time. Yeah. Like this movie goes back like way before all the BS product placement yeah. and all of that. Like this was like true grit movie. Although I did notice two product placements in it that stood out to oh, me last night, okay. which is when Mouth first shows up, he's very clearly holding a Pepsi in his hand with the logo out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fine. And then uh, when the families show up at the end, uh, they're on the beach, Chunk's family has a Domino's pizza. <laughs> I saw. I remember they had a huge pizza to welcome their little chubby son home and his favorite snack, Right. right. Which, by the oh, way, um, the the mom. I don't know about the dad there, but the mom who is carrying the pizza. That's Jeff Cohen's real mom. That like oh, they okay. they used a lot of the actual uh, family members Cast. for that scene. Yeah. Oh, neat. Oh, neat. Um, the music video is. I don't even think it's a it's a commercial for the music video. The video was just like it was Cindy Lauper's "Good Enough" you right. know, for the Goonies, and it. Like, if you watch it, I'm sure, like, I would think of the music video as more of a commercial for the movie than the movie showing a, a commercial for the music video. Because if you watch oh, the, yeah. the Cindy Lauper video, it's essentially retelling the story of the Goonies in a very abbreviated format with a lot of pro wrestlers thrown in. <laughs> I love the best 80s choice. Cindy Lauper. <laughs> I know, right? Like, what the heck? Hello, I'm Lindsay Morse, the host of Fab Figmentals, a podcast that blends history and storytelling to explore the realm of curious creatures, magical monsters, and beautiful beasts. Each week on the show, I'll introduce you to a new legendary creature, and together we'll explore its mythology and lore. Every episode of Fab Figmentals begins with a story, and then we dive into the history behind the myth. The show features stories from folklore, classic fairy tales, and our own original vignettes. And the stories will often be more Brothers Grimm than Mother Goose. Think whimsy with a bit of an edge. New episodes are released every Wednesday, and you'll find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Join me as we set out on an extraordinary exploration into the most fascinating corners of myth. I found what you said about the the different characters kind of interesting. I love the fact, and it, it didn't dawn on me until this viewing that, you know, they they go by nicknames, which you would think of in no. like a club, but outsiders know those nicknames too. Like mm, Steph refers one. to him as Mouth. She does not refer to him by his real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, they refer to Chunk as Chunk. That's who he mm-hmm. is. They don't refer, and their their real names are said like once or twice here or there. So, like, the mom does refer to Mouth as Clark when she's asking for oh, his yeah, help. Right. With, I was trying to think what his name was. Yeah. Yeah. They, they all, Mouth, Mouth's real name is Clark. Chunk's real name is Lawrence, which we learn from the police when he's talking to the police. Oh, yeah, they, right. They, they mm-hmm. keep saying, because, because not only is Chunk like they can dare him to do anything, I, I don't even think it's they dare him, it's they, they count on his natural clumsiness. 
You know, it's like, oh, I need this broken here, Chunk, hold this. Oh, we need to get through this door. I'm going to make a derogatory comment about your mom, hoping you'll charge at me and knock the door down. Um, But he also, one of the things over the course of the movie you realize is he tells all these outlandish stories. Like Michael Jackson showing up at his house or he had called the police about essentially what are gremlins, you know, about things that that multiply when you get them wet. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he always had all those far-fetched stories. And they're all like, shut up. Like, we know you're lying. And he, he was just with such conviction that you're like, is there some truth to this? Yeah. Did he really? Okay, Michael Jackson didn't show up at my house. But his right. sister did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just take it one step further. <laughs> right. Data's real name is Richard. That's never said in the movie. And then mm-hmm. Sloth. Which I think is is funny, oh you know, he's God. kind of, he he's becomes sick. an honorary member of the Goonies, like, instantly, and he already has a nickname. Sloth is his nickname. His real name is Lotney. Talk about Sloth. Yeah. That thing scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Oh, my God. <laughs> and when he shows up and he's, like, chained to the chair in the basement yeah. watching some show. Errol, Errol Flynn swashbuckler movies, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Because that sets the stage for what happens later. That's right. And he's, he's, you sort of, you're scared, like, to death, because no one has ever seen people that look like that. And then, and then you really like him almost immediately, you want to save him. So however, you know, like you talk about the, the instrumental part of the movie, Mm -hmm. how it builds up a bit of that suspicion, and then it builds up the emotion around sloth. Yes. Like you immediately want him to be saved. Oh, yeah. And you're like, Please. And, and the friendship that he and Chunk get so quickly, it doesn't feel like it's quickly. It feels like, yeah, because they're kind of kindred spirits. Like he is a Goonie. He belongs in the club. He's an outcast. Mm-hmm. He's a misfit. He belongs he's an outcast, with the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah. He's weird looking. The visual effects for him still hold up so well today. And they had, I was reading about this, that, you know, the one eye that's, that's down lower, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a, a robotically controlled eye. And they would oh. actually have to cue the actor to blink his real eye that was visible at the same time that they made the robotic eye blink so that it looked effective oh on gosh. screen. So, I mean, can you imagine that some director off stage going, all right, blink in three, two, one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow, I didn't know that. That's super neat. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and they made him to be so larger than life, too. Oh, like well, he be- was so big. Because the actor is huge. I mean, that you cast a professional football player in that role. <laughs> He's such a monster, right? And he could yeah. just like pick everybody up. Yeah. I, I I mean, it's he scared the hell out of me at first, but you love him by the end when he uh, is holding up that rock so that they can get out. And you know he's not going to make it. It's a heartbreaking moment. It's like, oh. Oh, and they're all clamoring through his legs to get to safety. Yep. And then when he chooses the Goonies over his mom. Yeah. Then you know how powerful the Goonies bond is. Right. Because the Goonies bond is stronger than anything. Well, and that, that had one of my favorite moments that I had not caught before when the brothers are trying to sympathize with him or especially the, the mm-hmm. one brother is like, remember when we took you to the zoo and mom and Francis wanted to leave you there. And, mm-hmm. uh, Oh, remember when we were going to get your teeth fixed, but we spent the money on Francis's toupee and Francis yells out, you know, I don't even wear a hairpiece. <laughs> I had never caught before 
earlier in the movie, when the bats come bursting out of the fireplace, right? Francis takes his hairpiece off. Yeah, and he he hides it. Right. I had never caught oh, that yeah. gag before for some reason. For me, it had always been the, I don't wear a hairpiece, and then it gets knocked off, oh, ha, right, ha. Right. And for some yeah, reason, yeah. that just had always, I had always just missed that. So that was kind of an, a funny thing to catch. It was like, yes, you do. You, you showed this earlier in the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. I hated that part with the bats. This this movie has some lines that I just I just absolutely love. Like one of my and it's it's not one that I can quote in an everyday situation very often, but one of my absolute just the delivery of it, the tone of it, that kind of stuff is when uh Steph's line about um brand, I think God put that rock there for a reason. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> for a purpose and I'm 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 not so sure you should move it. And it's just like I just I love that line delivery for mm. some reason. Yeah, it's one of those uh, reflection moments. Yes. Because she's like, mm, mm, mm. yeah, I don't think we should. I don't think we should be doing that. Like you can, you can hear the hesitation that's coming through for sure. And while we're talking about Steph, that's a, that's a question I started pondering last night from a script standpoint, from a storytelling standpoint, mm-hmm. why break her glasses? Oh man. <laughs> Like they do that pretty early on in the adventure and then she doesn't. And it's one of the things she says to her parents when her parents show up on the beach is, you know, I broke my glasses. So it's like a big deal, but there's no payoff for it. I don't know if something was cut or I, I, I don't know. Maybe just to add more to her character. Maybe. Give her character a thing. Because I've never been able to figure her character out because she and Andy are good friends. Yeah. But when we first see her, that opening montage, the chase through the town, the police right, chase, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we first see her, she's dunking her head in like a, a rain yeah. barrel. And right. I've never understood that moment because it almost feels like that's like a, a tomboyish moment. Her haircut is kind of makes her more of a tomboyish totally. feel. But then she's very girly along with Andy. Like, I love the moment where they're getting the treasure and they've both put on jewelry and they're being told to get out by the Fratellis and they stop and look at each other and admire, oh, like, whoa, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like this. Oh, I like the rings. Yeah, I don't know. Like, her character was needed. Yes. Because she did add some element of, she's kind of nerdy almost. Yes. You know, she's going through those teenager reflections where she... You know, she can kind of see if somebody's kind of cute and she likes the relationship between the brothers and things like that. And then, yeah, definitely her glasses, which was a pretty big deal. Oh, yeah. Like those of us who wear glasses, which we both do, <laughs> if we were to have our glasses break in a moment like that, like that would change the whole story for us because you can't really see what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I'd be partially blind for sure. Yeah. And the other dynamic that she adds that I find is interesting is there's almost a romantic tension between her and mouth. I know. Like when they, when she first shows up, they keep start throwing barbs at each other. But over the course of the movie, you almost like they date, like there's no way that, that, you know, four months, five months down the the road, they're not dating. They're not. Agreed. (laughs) But isn't that how they all start? It's kind of like the teasing and the name calling. And then like you can, you can kind of feel that evolve, but yeah, I mean, it's the, it's that little, it's that age where you kind of have that little flirtiness going on mm-hmm. and you're not really sure if they're going to take the bait. Right. Right. 
Yeah. Well, and that's and that's even at the end, like she says, you know, mouth, you're not such a bad guy when your mouth doesn't get in the way or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. It's as I said, you can tell that they're a couple down the road. There's Love there's that. just no way they're not. Totally. <laughs> so one of the things I also noticed last night that really cracked me up the the whole purpose of their quest is mm-hmm. is to find the treasure. But the reason they're trying to find the treasure is to raise the money to save their houses, which are all being foreclosed upon. They're going to raise this part of town and, and extend the country club or whatever. Mm-hmm. How they end up with all the houses in foreclosure at the same time, I don't know. It's a movie. We just we just accept it. Well, if you think about the time, though. So in the 80s, the interest rates became so high. Like right. people's interest rates were, like especially here in Canada, like they were off the charts. All the interest rates were going up. Oil was going down. It was like a really crazy time. And I think that was also something that people could relate to. Yeah. Because I remember like even in my family, some of my family members lost their homes because of the interest rates. So at the time of the movie and seeing it, like that was relatable for us. Interesting. Because it actually happened in our life. And it... I don't know about that whole area. Like maybe they all worked at the mine and then the mine shut down. So then all their homes went into foreclosure at a time. Like I actually worked in a mining town or grew up in a mining town. And that happened. Hmm. Like when a mine shut down, people like hundreds of people lost their jobs. Hundreds of people went into foreclosure. So that actually really could happen, Rafe. Okay. It really could happen. Okay. I, especially I stand because, corrected. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And especially because they were all, um, you know, they were all big families, right? Most of them had several siblings and all their parents worked probably at the same place. They worked at the hospital or they worked at the mine. So yeah, that we could relate to that. That could happen. So anyway, their, their, their goal is to try and get money to save their houses. They could have yeah, stopped yeah. a lot sooner. Because when they find Chester Cobblepot, right. one of the things that's in his book is a Lou Gehrig baseball card. And I, I looked and this up. The, yeah. That's worth a quarter of a million dollars today. Oh, my gosh. I did not know that. <laughs> wow. You just gave me the chills. Yeah, the value from that. But then what I find, again, if you consider what happens next in the story... They, they they have all the gems in the uh, uh, marble pouch, and that's what gets them the money. Mm-hmm. They have so much more than that. Because maritime law is that the first person who claim who can the a, a, a derelict like that is claim the ownership belongs to the first person who can show that they've brought something back from it. Oh, interesting. So when the Inferno sets sail and they have that beautiful shot of it looking out at the ocean mm-hmm. and Mikey saying, you know, so long, Willie, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. The truth is when that ship is uh, rescued by the Coast Guard or whatever, it and all its wealth belongs to the Goonies. Oh, neat. So another year after this movie goes, they're probably now the richest people in town instead of Troy's family. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean... They had opportunities to turn back. That's true. Like, because they had enough riches. Right. They had already secured enough riches. But part of it was they were on the path to find One-Eyed Willie. Right. So there was like the kind of those two components to it. And I think, I think at his core, that's what was really driving Mikey. It totally. wasn't, it wasn't the money to save their homes that he wanted that, but what he, really, what he really wanted 
And if you listen to him throughout the movie, he's always like, we've got you beat now, One-Eyed Willie. We're right behind you, One-Eyed Willie. Like, what he really wanted was to beat One-Eyed Willie at his own game. You know, that that's what mm-hmm. I think was really driving Mikey, more so than the money. And how about when he takes off his patch oh. and peeks? You're just like, eh. Now, I was reading in the novelization, and I'm glad, I'm glad this is not a thing. Um, in the novelization, he discovers that One-Eyed Willie had some form of an inhaler. Oh, and he feels that he is actually reincarnated One-Eyed Willie. That's the connection that he has with One-Eyed Willie. And I'm kind of wow, like, no, I never knew that. Yeah, I'm kind. I'm like, yeah, I could, I could go with Willie having an inhaler, but I don't need, I don't need Mikey to be the reincarnated form of One-Eyed Willie. That in could my be story. what that critic was referring to, too. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm on your page with that. But you get the impression. And one of the things I love about this movie is this is not the first adventure that they've had. We don't know what other adventures they've had that they're never alluded to other than Mm -hmm. when they're initially in the attic and Mikey is trying to encourage them. He finds the map. Chunk's response is, I don't want to go on any more of your crazy goony adventures. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, I would have loved to have seen what what else did they do? What else did they do? Like, obviously nothing that rewarded them with wealth, but what other adventures did they go on that led to this? Yeah. Which leads me to the question. For many years, fans have clamored for a sequel to this movie. There there had even been rumors of them doing a version with the Goonies grown up and their Mm -hmm. own kids going off in an adventure and them having to follow their kids on this. And I even just saw a headline the other day that said, with Richard Donner's passing, probably isn't ever going to happen. Would you have wanted to see another movie with these characters? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah? Oh, totally. And it's just like you and I kind of started the show off talking about what movies from our past do we have our kids watch or we want to get their reaction from it. Definitely. And like seeing the generation, like I don't know if your son watches Fuller House. Oh, he does. I don't, but he does. <laughs> yeah. And so like we grew up with that same cast. Right. In full in full house. Like I was the same age as my daughter is now watching the same show I watched with the same impact. So absolutely I would do Goonies too, for sure. Okay. Okay. I I was always on the fence about it. Like if if the right people were involved and it actually was a Oh, it would have to be the same cast though. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that's I mean and they had said, like, I mean, they've done um, when you and I first talked about doing this like a year ago, Forever, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of my episodes sit that long waiting to happen. Um, when you and I first talked about doing this a year ago, you know, we, we were in pandemic and one of the things to come out of pandemic was a, a lot of those like zoom reunions that were going on. And there was right. a zoom reunion for this where they had a lot of the cast members on, you know, reflecting on the past and that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. I didn't and, know that. And, and they said they'd be game for a, a, a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think with Richard Donner having passed, I think it's a best idea to kind of just leave that be and let Goonies be the product of its, of its own thing. Standalone. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great, it's a great movie, but I almost feel like a sequel, like a lot of, I noticed this time, a lot of the stuff that happens in the movie is based just on pure dumb luck. Like the story advances through luck, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's luck that they, uh, that they, the chunk just happens to hit something and the windows revealed. So he knows he can climb out of that and get away from the Fratellis. 
Oh um, yeah, right. Yeah. And and like they uh, they pull on the pipes and they're messing with the pipes and one of them busts loose and that happens to spray open the uh, path for them to right, go right. down. So it's like and in Baby this chaps. in this movie, I think that's. Uh, that works, but I think in a sequel it would almost feel a little contrived. I think I think our expectations as filmgoers have have changed. Maybe. Well, they've definitely evolved because the movie quality and right. special effects and all of that has evolved immensely, which is wonderful. But you got to admit, the effects in this movie, because they were all, all done practically, the effects hold up. Like, there's not a moment in this movie oh, where I went, "Oh, that's an effect." You know, it's yeah, like that, that, totally that just feels real. And I, and I don't think CG always has that. There are movies that were made five years ago with CG that you look at now and go, well, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. But, but Goonies holds up. Um, before we finish, I did want to talk about the Fratellis. Okay. So I want to talk about them too. When I, it was when I revisited this with my son a couple of years ago was the first time I watched this and went, Oh my God, it's Joey pants. It is. It, that's Joey. No, pa- I jo- did not know Francis that. is Joey pants. That's Joe Pantoliano who is probably oh, the actor that we have had talked about on this podcast more than any other, because he's in the matrix, which we've covered and midnight run, which we've covered. Oh, yes. But what's funny is when I, when I did see this back when I, I was a kid, I knew who Anne Ramsey was. I didn't know who Joey Pantoliano was, but I knew who Anne Ramsey who plays the mom was. Mm-hmm. Um, she is best known for her role in throw mama from the train where she plays mama. Right. Uh, which she was nominated for an Academy Award for. I had no idea about that until last night. She was nominated for an Academy Award for her performance in Throw Mama from the Train, which I would yeah. say is deserved. I mean, she was a great actress. She I shows up in that. Scrooged. Um, oh, yeah, Scrooged. She, she just was this wonderful character actor uh, who died. F- she died shortly after Throw Mama from the Train came mm. out because she had, had, she had cancer. Uh, which had impacted, like, if you watch Throw Mama from the Train, her her speech pattern and such in that is not affected. It is just how her cancer was affecting her throat and her mouth and such. Oh, um, wow. But I, she's brilliant. And the, the bond between the brothers, like, my favorite moment in, the, like, they, they, they tease each other as they're going across the log and the yeah. slip. And they have that moment of wincing because they just, you know, split their, <laughs> split their yeah. legs there. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Then there's teasing, and like when Sloth ties them up, and they're flight, you know, they're 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 hovering there, and mm-hmm. Mama finally cuts them down. They fall down. They check to make sure that each other is okay, and then they start like strangling each other. So it's right. like this brotherly bond, and yet this adversarial relationship. And I think uh, uh, Robert Davi and and Joey Pants just carry that so well. Well, and plus they're kind of awkward. Like oh, they're yeah. supposed to be these bad guys with this mean Mama, but they're like. Not really good at it. No, <laughs> they're the so fight awkward. O- the fight over the pizza. <laughs> oh yeah, right. That is so ridiculous. They're just so awkward. But you know who I always thought could have played um, Mama Fratelli's role Who's better that? is Kathy Bates. Not, I don't think at that time period, but I think now, yes, absolutely. Well, do you remember when she did Misery? Yes. So her. She may not have been as rough around the edges, definitely, as Anne Ramsey, but she, I thought she could have done a really great job I just, playing that mama. I love the look of Anne Ramsey as this, oh. you know, heavier woman, but but thick, like big and arms. Her she's, wrinkles. she's got a tattoo on her arm that allegedly yeah, yeah. Anne Ramsey's backstory was she got that when she was in the Navy. 
Um, oh my God, hilarious. You know, dressed in black and that yet she has pearls. She has a pearl necklace on. She has a pearl necklace on. <laughs> she had that weird hat. Right. I mean, it's like yeah. this odd feminine yet very masculine Scary. type character. <laughs> She's terrifying. She's terrifying. Yeah. She slams the dirty water down on the table. Right. But I, and I love the scene right before that when she's asked, you know, oh, fine. You want, this is a restaurant. What do you want? What are you ordering? And mm-hmm. Mouth, of course, that's when he earns his nickname Mouth about, you know, yeah, I yeah. want this. I want this. Oh, we only serve tongue. It's like, yeah, that's, that is nightmare fuel. If you encountered that more than the oh, skeletons, yeah. I think I'd have nightmares about that. <laughs> I know that was just so gross. Oh God. All right. Uh, before we uh, move into our end games, what do you want to talk about? What have we not talked about, about the Goonies that you want to make sure you get in? Well, I wanted to talk about Kathy Bates because I thought she would have been a good role. So we did hit on that. Yeah. Good cast for her. Maybe more about a little bit more about the beginning. So when we talked about, the booby traps. So you have to do a certain dance. Right. The truffle shuffle. Yeah. So Chunk had to do this certain dance. And he was probably the youngest of the group, right? I think they're all around the same age. I mean, yeah, mm. probably. I mean, Ch- Chunk, I think, gets picked on because of his weight more than anything else. And his just, his just genuine stupidity. Like he was, <laughs> he was not smart. When at he, all when he re- my, that's another one of my favorite little little tiny lines in the movie is he breaks the statue i was just thinking that and oh, yeah mikey's line about oh man that's my mom's favorite piece <laughs> and it's his penis <laughs> but when he reattaches and it, it and it's upside down <laughs> they glue it on the wrong way it looks yeah. fine to me <laughs> we got it back he's like oh god it's going the wrong way right <laughs> i mean there was some pretty you know tongue-in-cheek humor especially like if you're watching it as a family right like the parents would have got a lot of that humor more than the kids at the time and so to to be able to have both generations laugh oh yeah movie at different times or the same times was totally awesome well and that's and that's to me the mark of a good you know quote-unquote kids movie it's is, a family movie. Yeah, that it becomes a family movie that has has that level that the parents can appreciate it at, that mm-hmm. maybe goes over the head of the kids, and they don't even know that it's there. Mm-hmm. But the parents can enjoy it, and then, then it has the content that the kids can enjoy as well. So Well, and same with when Mouth was um, translating to Rosalita about, <laughs> you need to pack this, you need to pack that, and he had all the language wrong and telling her there's cocaine stored in, in the drawers and... She was freaking out because he was using all the wrong words. Her <laughs> performance is so brilliant. And I, I discovered so uh, she that actress not only speaks fluent English, mm. but she helped Corey Feldman with his lines as far as because he didn't oh speak Spanish. Oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> uh, so she helped sure. him with pronunciations and such. What's her name? Oh, Lupi Ontiveros? Uh, I think so, yeah. Lupi Ontiveros? Yeah, Rosalita. Right. Yeah. All right, let's All right. Um, move into the end credits here. So we've got a couple of games. The first up is The Algorithm Says. This is a kind of a lightning round of responses to a list of movies that various algorithms say you will like because you like The Goonies. So this is like, you know, yes, you like it. No, you don't like it. You okay. haven't seen it. You don't understand how the hell they're connected. That kind of thing. Okay. Okay, I'm ready. All right. First up, E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Yes. <laughs> Loved it. It's interesting. I have had a guest on before who did not. So, <laughs> what the heck? Okay. Um, Home Alone. Yes. Okay. Wizard of Oz. 
I also saw Home Alone with my daughter. Oh, yeah, did you? Was a, yeah. I have not gotten into the Home Alone movies with my son yet. That may be something we do this year. She's watched all four of them. I think there's four or five of them. There's four mm-hmm. of them? I think so. Oh, God. Um, Sorry, what was the last one? Uh, Wizard of Oz. Yes. And have watched that as well yeah. with my nine-year-old. Yeah. I, I, I have Definitely. a very fond memory of taking my son to see that at a local like art house theater when they were showing, oh, they should, they did man, like a matinee for cute. kids. It yeah, was great. Yeah. I love that. Uh, the Sandlot. The only thing I know about the Sandlot is the line. You're killing me smalls. I have not seen the Sandlot movie. I don't think I've seen it either. I feel like okay. I can see the cover of the movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's a N a, okay. I don't know. Jumanji. Absolutely. Saw all of them. Yeah. Even all the ones today with, the rock and everything. I like in it. the ones with the rock and Chris, and Chris Hart. Like they're funny. His timing is so good. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. All right. Explorers. Hmm. I don't know that one either. <laughs> okay. That one is worth checking out. Very young Ethan Hawke, River Ooh. Phoenix. Oh. Uh, three boys who discover uh, basically alien technology. It is, it is a blast. It okay, is definitely like... It's along the same line of a couple of very close friends on a on a kind of very fantasy quest type thing. Okay, I, cool. I love that movie so much. Hmm. All right, Short Circuit. Oh, absolutely. I saw that in the theater. Oh, did you? Yeah. I don't think I saw it in the theater, but my my family loved that one. The whole Johnny loved. Five is alive. That that yeah. All of it. Um, a little weird to watch now that we're in this kind of woke culture and go yeah maybe a white man portraying an asian uh, portraying an indian man like that is not so cool yeah but, yeah you know. it's probably not the best approach today but <laughs> uh labyrinth yes yeah we talked about that one earlier yeah. okay matilda saw it okay like it don't like it yeah i mean it's like danny devito plays the dad right and then the woman in there is his wife in real life oh okay right um yeah it's good it's about okay. a girl who wants to like, she's so smart. I still have not seen that one. Um, oh, that's funny. You should watch yeah. it with your son. I, I follow the, the actress who played Matilda. She was, she was a you know child actress. She did other stuff yeah. too. I follow her on Twitter and she has some, oh. some brilliant insights about Hollywood and, and you know, what that oh, was like neat. being a child star. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still have not seen that one. Yeah. It's a good one. I think it's on Netflix too. Right. Probably. Probably. It's not the first time this came up either. So I, I need to fix that. Uh, finally, the last Starfighter. No, I don't know that movie at all. Oh, we've we've done an episode on it. It's another kind of eighties oh. classic. It's probably Starfighter. not right to watch with your kid. It's probably a little older, but okay. uh, still. What's a lot it about? Of kid, uh, kid being like older teenager um, is exceptional at this video game, and it turns out the video game was a a test to find pilots across the galaxy to come be starfighters in this galactic war. Oh, I'd never pick that movie. <laughs> like never. <laughs> All right. We finally, we always end with a pop quiz for multiple choice questions based on the movie. Are you ready? Oh, maybe I'm not very good at multiple choice. Okay. All right. Number one, Sean Astin was allowed to keep one eyed Willie's treasure map as a memento from the movie. However, he no longer has it in his possession. What happened to it? A, Joey Pants and Robert Davi broke into his trailer and stole it. B, he donated it to a Planet Hollywood. C, his mom thought it was a piece of trash and threw it away. Or D, the ghost of One-Eyed Willie reclaimed it. Oh, shoot. Um, definitely not one. 
Probably not too. She didn't throw it in the garbage. I'd say D. No, his mom, Patty Duke, thought it was a piece of trash and threw it in the garbage. Uh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. All right, number two, uh, One-Eyed Willie's ship, the Inferno, was built as a real full-sized ship. Uh, after production was over, it was offered to whoever wanted to take it. Who wound up with it? A, Steven Spielberg, B, Richard Donner, C, Michael Jackson, or D, nobody took it and it was scrapped. Shit, that would be something Michael Jackson would do. It, 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 it is, it would be. So that is a no with your tone. <laughs> um... I don't know. Did they keep it or did nobody want it? Nobody wanted it and it was scrapped. Yes. Wow. <laughs> nobody it was took so it. huge. Apparently parts of, of the rigging ended up in Disneyland on Pirates of the Caribbean, which was being refurbished at the same time. So they took parts oh, of neat. the rigging. And, but uh, nobody wanted it. Yeah. Hmm. Michael Jackson did visit the set. Um, and there is an excellent story that they built it. I mean, it's a full-size ship. It's right, a functional yeah. ship because it had to be for the end of the, 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 mm-hmm. the movie. And they did not let the cast see it. Uh, because they wanted to record their genuine reactions to seeing it. Wow, that's neat. And when they sh- when they shot the footage of the kids turning around and finally seeing it, Brand went, "Oh shit!" And they had to cut the footage. They had to reshoot it <laughs> <laughs> because it was so massive. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, cool. That's a good story. All right, number three, Chunk's story about throwing fake puke over the balcony of a theater was based on an actual prank played by whom? A, Chunk actor Jeff Cohen, B, producer Steven Spielberg, C, actor uh, director Richard Donner, or D, Fratelli actor Joey Pants? I don't know that one. Take a guess. I don't think it'd be Joey Pants. Maybe something that Donner did. No, something that Spielberg did. <laughs> what did he do? He, Was that he, from one of those Porky's movies? No, he just, he did it in real life as a kid. He took fake puke and threw it over the balcony of a movie theater to, oh to try and get it. <laughs> gross, gross. All right, last one. All right. Several clues throughout the movie lead to the conclusion that the event of the Goonies takes place on Saturday, October 26th, 1985. This is a specifically interesting date because it's the same date as the events of what other classic 80s movie? A, Back to the Future, B, The Breakfast Club, C, Better Off Dead, or D, Day of the Dead? Back to the Future is definitely right there. Day of the Dead. I don't know that movie. <laughs> um, what was the other one? Uh, Breakfast Club or Better Off Dead. Breakfast Club? Ooh, might be that one. Might be Breakfast Club. Should have gone with your first response. It's the same ah, date as Back to the Future. Back yeah. to the Future. When Marty and uh, Doc are at the mall shooting the yeah. footage of the DeLorean. That is yeah, yeah. Saturday, October 26th, 1985. Oh my God, that's fun. All right. Uh, where can people find you? What do you want to promote? Um, they can find me at ValerieMoss.ca. They can also find my podcast at Valerie's Variety Podcast. My podcast is about eat, read, create, favorite recipes, favorite books, and create something, whether it's a memory, a project, a great meal, and I bring guests on and interview them. And also, as a side hustle with my audiobooks, I bring the authors that I record their books, I bring them on my show as a guest. Oh, fantastic. So I get the inside track on some of these great books that I record. And yeah, ValerieMoss.ca. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for talking Goonies with me. Um, I'm sorry we're recording this right after Richard Donner passed away. You know, it's just a, a loss to the industry. But uh, this this movie is such a classic. I'm glad to hear your daughter likes it. You know, I'm, I'm I love that my son loves it, and you know, yeah. it's it's great to know that. It, it's not only a classic because our generation appreciates it, but it will continue to be a classic as younger kids find it and are still able to relate to it. Well, and if they can relate to it and do get to play out in the streets after dark and have those <laughs> friendships in the cul-de-sac that, you know, impress you, imp- impress upon you for a lifetime. Yeah. That's truly a great, great memory and a great story to have. Absolutely. So that does it for this week, but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media. Share your thoughts about The Goonies, or maybe tell me about a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about. You can find me at Town Hess, that's T-A-L-N-H-E-S-S, on Twitter and Letterboxd, or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter, on Facebook, where I Have Not Seen This podcast, or email me at have not seen this at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week's episode. And what I'm thinking as I'm sitting here now, well, maybe this is my big break. This is my big chance. You know what I mean? You don't just walk on to a network show without experience. Now, I know it's an old hackneyed expression, but it happens to be the truth. You've got to start at the bottom. I know. That's where I am at the bottom. That's a perfect place to start. This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. And if you like World of Warcraft or other Blizzard games, be sure to check out my other podcast, Citizens of Azeroth, a World of Warcraft podcast, also available through all major podcast sources. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Valerie for providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rafe Telsch, and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other.